Give Bonafide a try today. No hormones and no prescription required. With products such as Reverie, a vaginal insert with hyaluronic acid to relieve vaginal dryness and rejuvenate vaginal tissue. Claire-V, a clinically proven vaginal probiotic to balance your vaginal microbiome. Relizin, a hormone-free, powerful way that is recommended by over 6,550 doctors to provide relief from menopausal hot flashes and night sweats. Ristella, a clinically proven plant-based and hormone-free way to increase orgasm and physical arousal, among other solutions for overall well-being. It's real relief without compromise. To get 20% off your first purchase when you subscribe to any product, go to hellobonafide.com and use the promo code Dr. Dweck. That's hellobonafide.com slash Dweck and code Dr. Dweck for 20% off at checkout. For best prices and free shipping and to receive this special offer for Talk Healthy Today listeners, Go directly to hellobonafide.com slash Dweck. This is their best offer anywhere, so check it out and use promo code Dweck. This is their best offer anywhere, so check it out and use promo code Dr. Dweck, spelled D-R for doctor and D-W-E-C-K for Dweck. From Outside's Healthy Living Group, this is HLG's Talk Healthy Today podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Davis. Have you ever heard of the vaginal microbiome? Now, I know on the show, I've talked about the gut microbiome and how incredibly important that is. But today, we're going to be focusing on the vaginal microbiome, as well as overall sexual health with the fantastic Dr. Alyssa Dweck. Alyssa Dweck, MSMD, FACOG, is a practicing gynecologist in Westchester County, New York. She provides care to women of all ages. She has delivered thousands of babies. A graduate of Barnard College, she has a master's degree in human nutrition from Columbia University and her medical degree from Hanneman University School of Medicine in Philadelphia, now named Drexel University. Dr. Dweck trained at Lincolnau Hospital in Wynwood, Pennsylvania, where she was chief resident in 1994. Dr. Dweck practices in Mount Kisco, New York and admits to Northern Westchester Hospital in Mount Kisco, New York. She has been voted top doctor in New York Magazine and Westchester Magazine. She is proficient in minimally invasive surgery. She has a special interest and expertise in female sexual health and medical sex therapy. She is a consultant at Massachusetts General Hospital, Vincent's Memorial, OBGYN Service, and adjunct assistant professor of obstetrics and gynecology, New York Medical College. Dr. Dweck is a co-author of three books, including the newest release, The Complete A to Z for Your V. Dr. Dweck has appeared on the Today Show and Good Day LA. She contributes regularly to multiple in-print and online media outlets. Dr. Alyssa Dweck, welcome back to Talk Healthy Today. Thank you. It's so good to have you on. So lately on the show, it seems like no matter what topic we're talking about, the microbiome always comes up, but we're always talking about the gut microbiome. But today we're talking about the vaginal microbiome. So what is that? So look, a microbiome is basically an ecosystem containing, naturally containing bacteria, fungi, viruses even, all these organisms that are in a very organized uh, environment, if you will, and they live there happily. 
And we are very familiar with the gut microbiome, but in my world, you know, we talk about the vaginal microbiome, which is really quite unique. And so this has gotten a lot of, uh, a lot of attention lately. Now, what are some important things to know about the, your vaginal microbiome and also how to keep it balanced? Yeah. So, uh, you know, not to simplify this too much, but I do find this to be a very helpful way to just look at things. The vagina has good bacteria called lactobacilli. They come in many strains, but in general, lactobacilli are healthy for the vagina because they produce lactic acid and they produce hydrogen peroxide. And the purpose of this is to maintain a natural and healthy optimal acidic pH. The vaginal pH should remain in the range of 3.8 to 4.5. Lactobacilli are balanced with other bacteria in the vagina. And so when there is any sort of fluctuation in this balance, women may notice symptoms of discomfort, sensitivity, discharge, odor. So we really like to talk about a balance in this microbiome where lactobacilli are the good bacteria and others may be, you know, quote unquote, the bad bacteria if symptoms are problematic. Every day we are all exposed to so many disruptors to this biome, whether it's hormone changes, whether it's sexual activity with male or female partners, whether it's medications like antibiotics or steroids, all of these things amongst other products that we use day to day can disrupt the biome and really wreak havoc for some people where balance gets out of control. Now, I'm a big fan of probiotics. So if you were to get a probiotic and it listed the strains, which I've read is very important, would you look for one, I'm guessing, that has it says it contains lactobacilli? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you'll see most probiotics do contain lactobacilli, but the vagina has some specific inherent native lactobacilli. Um, so, you know, most of the uh, probiotics that are geared towards vaginal health will say just that, that they're containing particular strains that might be inherent in the vagina. So for example, acidophilus is one strain of of, um, lactobacilli that's inherent in the vagina. Rhamnosus is another common uh, strain of lactobacilli, and there are several, but those are two common ones. Are some women just prone to more odor and discharge and they maybe don't have an imbalance? Well, look, I think the jury's still out as to whether there is a genetic propensity towards those who may suffer with recurrent symptoms of this nature. But the first thing to understand is that we have to rule out infection. So, you know, there is a common infection called BV. This is uh, short for bacterial vaginosis. And in general, this is the most common of the three uh, types of um, vaginitis that can occur, inflammation in the vagina. BV occurs in probably 21 million women in the U.S., so it's really quite common. And again, this is not an infection that we get from somebody. This is not your standard or traditional STI or sexually transmitted infection, but it is an infection or an inflammation due to an imbalance of these good and not so good bacteria. So the big deal with BV is that it's often recurrent. So even though we get adequate treatment with the CDC recommended antibiotic to get rid of this 
infection, the recurrence rates are really quite high. I believe the recurrence rate for BV is uh, 30% uh, for women adequately treated after a couple of months. Um, So that's really, really quite high. Oh, wow. Yeah, I actually had that once when I was in my 20s. It's extremely common. Yeah, but I only had it once, thank goodness. I didn't want it again. So that now if if somebody does seem to get it again and again, what should they be adding to their diet and also supplement wise to help with the balance? So the main thing is to try to identify whatever disruptor is increasing the risk for BV. So many, many times, you know, uh, women are drawn to these feminine washes or wipes or douches or products from over the counter that are seemingly helpful, but actually are, can be detrimental to those who are sensitive. So being very mindful of everything used in the genital area means a lot. In regard to recurrence of BV specifically, Uh, sexual activity is a big disruptor. So for those women who are suffering with recurrent infection, I'll often recommend a condom, even if you're with a monogamous partner, just to try to break the cycle of recurrent BV and prevent the uh, exposure to ejaculate, which could be a disruptor. Hormones may be a disruptor. So whether it's oral contraception or, you know, the changes that are present during perimenopause or menopause, that can predispose somebody to BV or the symptoms that are similar to BV. As part of the regimen for these women who are really suffering with recurrent infections, I do recommend a probiotic specifically something called Claire V, which is a probiotic made by Bonafide Health that is taken for 15 days of each month and has been studied and shown to be safe and effective in multiple randomized controlled studies. So I think this is why I can feel very supportive of this particular probiotic. There are loads of other probiotics uh, meant for gut health and others meant for feminine health, but again, my... um, my uh, gearing is to go towards ones that have studies behind them. Oh, absolutely. Now, that's good for women who don't have BV, right? Just to keep a regular balance in their vaginal microbiome. It can be. I mean, this particular probiotic, Claire V, has been shown in studies to prevent recurrent yeast alongside treatment. Oh, wow, that's big. It has been shown to prevent recurrent BV alongside treatment. In other words, it's not a treatment for these infections, but it is a um, adjuvant or uh, yes, an adjuvant to uh, an adjunctive treatment to, uh, to help with prevention. Other thing to keep in mind, because I see this in practice all the time, the hormone changes that affect menopausal women really affect the amount of lactobacilli in the vagina. So the North American Menopause Society has put out a statement suggesting that the biome in the perimenopausal and menopausal woman is quite similar to the biome of those women with BV. They don't meet criteria for infection, but they do have many of of the similar characteristics with a lower level of lactobacilli due to the estrogen change and symptoms whether it's discharge or whether it's itching or irritation. So I have found that this type of probiotic can be very helpful for that woman as well. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that because I was thinking about perimenopause and menopause because you mentioned earlier that hormonal changes can change the vaginal microbiome, the balance of it. Absolutely. So we have 
removal of you know, potential disruptors. We have a probiotic that can really help to optimize vaginal health. And then diet you asked about, which I failed to answer. So oh. you know, <laughs> sugar and alcohol may be triggers for some women to develop infection uh, in those who are truly recurrent. So minimizing or mitigating that uh, trigger could be something of, of help. And then the undergarment material, so specifically the material of the panty crotch, can be very influential to vaginal health for some women who are sensitive. So I often recommend a cotton crotch because that's absorbent and breathable and allows for a, uh, a a healthier environment. We know that yeast and bacteria thrive in warm, uh, dark, moist environments. Yeah, I'm really big on when I go swimming. Even if I'm swimming for the day, I'm still going to run in or bring, if I'm not swimming at my house, I'm going to bring shorts. If I'm going somewhere else and I'm just going to change, you know, yeah, cotton underpants sense. and shorts because I'm not sitting around in my wet bathing suit all day. It does make sense. Look, there are some women, just to put it out there, who literally can put anything in their vagina, wear any sort of garment, go about their business and never have a problem. But, the, you know, I have a skewed view because the people that I see in my office are often coming in for repetitive issues. And it's enough to just have the cotton in the pant, like a panty liner part or whatever you would call that of your panties versus like, I always thought it was just, you don't even want to wear anything but 100% cotton, like the entire underwear. Look, we shouldn't have to give up our lingerie for uh, for this issue. So I think that most importantly, what we call the gusset, which is the, the crotch basically, in, uh, in designer terms, uh, that's the most important uh, part to be all cotton or at least a breathable fabric. Right. Now, all of these things can affect our sexual health. And I know we touched on sexual health in our first interview, but I just wanted to touch on it here as well. When you talk about oral sex, or when people talk about that, I don't think they realize that that could affect your vaginal microbiome as well, right? Absolutely. Unfortunately. You know, there's always a... Uh, uh, I, I don't even think this is an urban myth. I think this is factual, although I, I'll have to find a source for you that the mouth probably harbors more bacteria on a regular basis than the vagina. So absolutely, uh, you know, oral sex can be a disruptor for those who are sensitive. Yeah. Right. So that's why we want to do these things. Take Claire V. I would say eat a healthy diet, prebiotic foods. I mean, I'm huge on garlic and onions and asparagus and lots of nice probiotic rich foods and stay away from a lot of sugar, I would recommend. Because again, it, it, if you know, you want a healthy gut microbiome too, not just a healthy vaginal. And I'm assuming they go hand in hand. Absolutely, because you know we we are one continuous being. So yes, they are uh, intertwined for sure. You know, you bring up a good point because it. I learned a lot about prebiotics when learning about Claire V. Prebiotic is included in this particular supplement, and that's what makes it so special. So the Claire V contains a blend of the two common strains of lactobacilli that we spoke about, but it is mixed with a prebiotic called lactoferrin, and this is helpful to maintain the viability of these strains so that they can traverse the GI tract and make it to the vagina. And, you know, we do have skeptics when it comes to the fact that, uh, you know, do pro 
probiotics really work in this realm? And, and how do we know that? So one other study that really was convincing to me was a study that looked at women who took Claire-V and then had their vaginas swabbed to see what strains of lactobacilli were there when compared to people who were taking a placebo. And in fact, the two probiotic strains were much more noted in the vaginas of the Claire takers than in the placebos. So it is making it from the mouth to the vagina, which is really important. Yeah, that is really important because, you know, I think a lot of women are can be inhibited enough and to be like, oh, can't have oral sex because, and you know, oh, my vaginal microbiome, you know, <laughs> it's so nice to be able to, you know, be able to enjoy the sex with your partner that you want to have. Sure. Right. Without worrying about that. Speaking of that, I know there is something called Ristella. Sure. So once again, we spoke about this during my, our, my first interview with you, and I want to reiterate right. it. So I am the chief medical officer for Bonafide Health. So I feel incredibly comfortable speaking about their products and the safety and efficacy. So I just want to put that out there once again. Sure. Ristella is a supplement that is meant to increase satisfaction during the sexual experience, and also to hopefully improve the orgasm response. The way that Restella works is by increasing blood flow. And it's all about blood flow. You know, we speak about blood flow when it comes to erectile dysfunction, but women also uh, need to maximize blood flow when it comes to sexual health. So Restella contains something called uh, pine bark and two substrates, which are amino acids, arginine and citrulline, um, as well as a calcium substrate. They're mixed together. And when taken daily, um, after two to three months, we will see an improvement in sexual function, particularly the orgasm response for women. And the reason is because it enhances vasodilatation and brings blood flow to the genitals during the sexual response. So we have found this to be very helpful. For women who are also looking to enhance response, we'll recommend vibrators. After all, a vibrator, if somebody is comfortable with that, it's like a massage and it enhances blood flow to the tissues. So this has medical indication as well as uh, just uh, pleasurable indication. So I like to tell my patients that, especially if they feel a little shy about vibrator use. Yeah, I don't know if you watched the show Grace and Frankie with Jane Fonda, if you've ever seen it, and Lily Tomlin. And what's so fun about it is that these are two women in their, you know, upper 70s. I think in real life, they might be in their 80s. But and they did they have a vibrator company they develop for older women, where you can hold it without it like bothering your arthritis. And I think what's so great about them is it breaks that paradigm of like, well, older women aren't sexual. That's crazy. It's like, no, of course they are. I mean, they might there, there might be some more issues going on because they're older, but I feel like as vibrant as we can be and allow ourselves and be in touch with ourselves and our partners is so important. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And I'm glad we can finally speak about vibrators without, you know, having people crawl under their chairs. I remember when, you know, uh, before the last couple of years, I would bring vibrators up to some of my patients who might have been, you know, wanting to enhance their sexual satisfaction. And some were so uncomfortable because it really was kind of a taboo subject. There are now multiple companies that are really focusing on this. And to your point, making vibrators in different shapes and sizes, uh, many of which are for women with arthritis or for women who can't 
achieve penetration, but just want to use something external because after all, it's very much about the clitoris when it comes to uh, orgasm response. So uh, I, I think I'll have to go find that movie and watch it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, it's a series on Netflix. It's wonderful. Okay. It's really, really good. The other thing, too, I think, is that sometimes women feel embarrassed to bring in toys. And I think this goes back to using lube. Sometimes women feel like, oh, their partner's going to think they're not turned on and they need help. Or why do you need this toy? But yes, sometimes you need the toy and you definitely need the lube. I mean, I'm a big proponent. I used to be a sex educator. I think people know I have a master's in public health. And I tell women lube is so, and men, lube is very important. So how do we approach these and, and help people talk to their partners so they don't end up having uncomfortable sex? Yeah, well, you know, my my usual route is a direct and frank discussion. And if somebody doesn't bring it up to me, I will bring it up in the form of a an open-ended question uh, when I'm in my office. I think at this point, lubrication is used not only to facilitate sexual um, interaction, but also to enhance pleasure. So it really can be used for uh, for so many reasons and for different, um, you know, a different and full repertoire of sexual activity. And I, I think people are getting much more accustomed to this normalcy. As far as vibrators, again, they may not be everybody's cup of tea, but for those women who really are looking to enhance blood flow, this is part of the regimen to, uh, to help out with that. And if I have to medicalize it to make someone feel comfortable, I will. Um, but I think it's becoming more mainstream, at least in discussion. They've always been around. Yeah, I don't even think I heard about lube. I, I started having sex in my 20s. And I remember it was so uncomfortable for a long time. And now I'm like, wow, why didn't anybody say anything? But again, this was a long time ago. <laughs> you know, so okay. people weren't so open. But I've had conversations with my daughter and, and said, listen, when the time comes, use lube, it'll make a big difference. And I wish more yeah. parents could have, you know, conversations with their teenagers about discovering what you like, exploring your own body, you know, obviously at a certain age, you know, she's 17, but everyone's different. But I do worry that there's still this sort of uptightness that, that goes around this topic. Surely there is. Uh, I think it's probably different in different environments. I will say, you know, it is important to choose your lube carefully, look at ingredients carefully some of the ingredients uh, can disrupt the pH and the biome. We were speaking about this before, so uh, it's important to uh, to recognize that. Uh, silicone lubricants might be favored for those who are super sensitive because they don't disrupt the osmolality of the vagina the, uh, and, and further disrupt the biome. So that might be something to consider for those who are sensitive. I tend to... Um, advise against things that are, you know, flavored or dyed or with harsh, harsh chemicals, particularly for my patients who are sensitive, um, because, you know, they may have a reaction to that. Yeah, there's one that I use that I love, and I'm able to use it because and I mentioned last time I had a hysterectomy, so everything is gone. And so my husband, I don't have to use birth control. And so we use an oil-based lube and it's coconut oil, which I've heard is actually good for your vaginal pH. Yes, many, many women enjoy coconut oil and they really like the smell. Uh, and this has really facilitated a lot of uh, 
intimate uh, uh, experiences pain-free. So I think that's a great idea. Uh, other people who, who don't like that might rely on other oils. And I think it's important to know that those who those oils that are petrolatum-based actually can, again, alter the biome. They tend to alter the pH. So I'm speaking about mineral oil or you know, petroleum jelly or something along that line. So again, some people can use anything without a problem, but others who are sensitive, particularly when it comes to the biome, should be mindful of that. You know, speaking of the vaginal biome, there's so many reasons to quit smoking. And now there's another one. Tell us about these studies that have shown that cigarette smokers are more likely to have less of the lactobacilli. Yeah, add it to the list. Look, smoking, (laughs) (laughs) smoking uh, tobacco specifically, Uh, causes vasoconstriction. This is a fancy term for blood vessels constrict, less oxygen gets to tissues, and this includes the intimate uh, tissue and skin. So, um, you know, the entire environment can change, especially for heavy smokers. Just, Just another reason to quit smoking. That's right. Now, speaking about the skin, there is something called GSM. And tell us about that. And that has to do with vaginal atrophy? Yeah, so, you know, a while back, the powers that be wanted to be more inclusive when it came to the immense number of symptoms that menopausal women were experiencing. So while vaginal dryness or atrophy was the symptom that everybody talked about, in reality, there are so many other symptoms, itching, discharge, um, you know, irritation, troubles with urination, pelvic pressure or discomfort. When all else is ruled out that's obvious, we realize that the menopausal experience can be including so many other symptoms that rather than just calling it vaginal atrophy, this conglomeration of symptoms is now referred to as GSM or genitourinary syndrome of menopause. So this huge word salad is just supposed to uh, really just include the multitude of symptoms that menopausal women could experience. Okay, so that's part of the microbiome? I mean, if it's just having a good microbiome, is that going to have any effect or not really? Like if you have the atrophy or you're having, you know, thinning of the tissues, is that a separate issue or how does this all work together? It's all part of the same constellation of symptoms. So vaginal dryness, vaginal atrophy, the change with less lactobacilli due to lower estrogen levels are going to lead to symptoms, discharge, itching, irritation, that are related to GSM. So yeah, it's all one big constellation of symptoms. Now, is that something that a topical estrogen cream can be helpful with, or does it depend on the the patient? I'm sure obviously individuality and issues that they have. Yeah, most definitely. So look, one of the gold standard treatments for genital you know, GSM, genitourinary syndrome of menopause, is minimally absorbed vaginal estrogen, which can come in the form of a cream, uh, a, an intravaginal tablet, an intravaginal ring, all of which can be quite helpful for easing these symptoms, the multitude of GSM symptoms. Yes, the microbiome will naturally be optimized with using vaginal estrogen because you're getting to the root of the problem, which is low estrogen. Not everybody can take estrogen. So we have our patients who have had breast cancer or uterus cancer or some other hormone-dependent cancer. Some people may have, um, you know, a blood clotting disorder where they're at 
very high risk for cardiovascular event. These people may not be candidates for estrogen, and that's why we have so many good alternatives in the war chest of how to, uh, how to manage this. And for some women, vaginal dryness isn't just a problem for sexual activity. It can be like a month-long problem, right? Oh, it could be a day-to-day, everyday problem. So I'll have women come into my office and say, I don't know what's going on, but I have an awareness of my vagina that I don't think I should be having. And they can't necessarily pinpoint their symptom, but they do know that they're sensitive and just not feeling right. Um, in fact, this symptom may take women by surprise because, you know, they may expect hot flashes or night sweats. Uh, they may expect some of the mood changes that come along with uh, menopausal or perimenopausal times, as we've spoken about in past. But the subtle changes that start out in the vagina may not be as easily recognized at first. So it's something we always think about. And that's something we touched on last time. I mentioned that I'll get shea butter, pure shea butter, and it really helps. Sure. Look, there are plenty of over-the-counter intravaginal gels. Uh, My favorite type of ingredient is called hyaluronic acid. This is a super duper, uh, you know, moisturizer naturally derived that we use on our faces. So now thankfully it's available for the vagina. And yes, the insert that you're speaking of is called Reverie, used twice a week or so, is very, very helpful for vaginal moisture. And it is not a hormone. So particularly for for those women who either want to avoid hormone or who can't take hormone, this would be a good alternative. Right. And it's not just the va- vagina that gets dry. Your skin changes. Absolutely. You can have, I mentioned last time, right, I ended up with uh, hormonal acne that I had never had. Or I'd had some, but not like cystic acne. But then I was also really dry and my hair felt different. There's a lot that goes on. Any advice for skin, like overall skin changes? Well, overall, you know, we are losing collagen with age. We are also losing collagen with menopause. Uh, It does not, you know, spare any parts of our bodies. So we may notice sagging or looser skin on the face, but it also hits the intimate vulvar tissue. So uh, moisturizing is key, Uh, whether it's with hyaluronic acid or coconut oil or something along that line. Um, But yes, these changes can occur. Thankfully, I haven't really been dealing with acne in the uh, vulva as a physician. So I think at least we're we're spared that uh, particular issue with our skin. As far as hair, this is very similar. And, um, you know, women will notice thinning of their hair. Women will notice a a change in the luster. Um, So I uh, typically will advise, you know, perhaps a biotin supplement or, um, you know, checking vitamin levels to make sure you're not deficient in certain vitamins, including vitamin D or iron. We always check for anemia, which can sometimes cause hair changes or thyroid abnormalities. So this requires a medical workup, but then uh, the long long and short of it may be that it's just hormonal and we do what we can to supplement and treat that. One other little known fact, we all sometimes wear like a super tight ponytail, especially for exercise or whatnot. And that constant traction on the hair can create a sort of a widening of the part or a uh, pulling from the hairline and uh, cause some uh, hair loss in severe cases. So something to keep in mind with the type of uh, ponytail you wear. Oh my gosh. It's so funny because, so I have my hair is kind of naturally wavy and when I wash it, I'll put it in a tight bun till it's almost dry 
And then it literally, I can blow dry it in like less than five minutes because I don't like to, I know I'm trying not to heat, sure. you know, the heat styling and stuff. I probably take it too far because now I'm like, oh my gosh, no wonder <laughs> what's going on with the front of my hair. You. It's just something that has come to my attention through years of practice. So uh, it's something to think about. Well, I also heard if you pull your hair back too tight, you can, in a tight pony, it can break your hair, you know, in different places as well. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Now, how do you feel about collagen supplements? Or do you think it's just good to use a hyaluronic acid or things like that on your skin? You know, I would not call myself an expert by any means in collagen or supplementation with that. I'm a proponent of a healthful diet and trying to get most of your nutrients from a diet. So I tend to favor the Mediterranean diet or the Mediterranean style of diet, I should say, because it shouldn't be a diet, it should be a lifestyle. Um, but you know, I'm very well aware that many, many women are deficient in nutrients because maybe they're gluten intolerant or lactose intolerant, or they have other uh, bowel issues that uh, limit their diet intake. So supplements are helpful in those cases. But uh, I, I'd like to say we get enough protein through our diet. Oh, that's good. Now tell us a little bit about the Mediterranean diet. You bet. So the, the lowdown on this is, this is a lifestyle. So again, I'm not a big fan of crash diets in any way. They never are long lasting. Uh, although for plenty of people, they do give a good jump start. The Mediterranean diet essentially uh, includes lean proteins and it minimizes red meat because the purpose of this style of eating is really for cardiovascular health. Uh, it also replaces things that could be bad for cardiovascular health. So instead of using a ton of salt, other spices are recommended to flavor foods. Instead of using butter, olive oil is favored for uh, that type of fat. Uh, plenty of fruits and vegetables, of course, you know, as they say, eat the rainbow is part of this diet uh, style. And then, uh, you know, wine is allowed in moderation. Uh, plenty of fluids, of course. Um, and um, whole grains, of course, are included. Okay. Yeah, I think people hear Mediterranean, they just picture like plates and plates of pasta. And the, if there is pasta, it's a very small portion. It's not like we eat here. Yeah. In America. I remember my grandmother, my brother had gone to visit her and he was a teenager. She had lived in the Bronx in, in New York and he, had, he ate the entire package of pasta, which for us was no big deal. She talked about it for like 20 years. Like, I, how did he do that? And we're like, what are you talking? We all eat a package of pasta. She's like, that's insane. But to <laughs> us, it's just normal. Well, look, portion control really has to be uh, taken into account with any type of lifestyle diet. But Mediterranean diet really, again, it's heart healthy, but it also is naturally low glycemic. So it tends to maintain, uh, you know, insulin and sugar levels. Uh, and so energy doesn't, you know, peak and trough so violently each day. Uh, it also tends to be a good management for weight, you know, maintenance, which of course, so many menopausal women are uh, really conscious of. And uh, so, yeah, listen, we're all going to cheat from time to time, but this is a good lifestyle diet to uh, to consider. Now, is fish a part of it as well? And Absolutely. Chicken or sure. Lean protein. Oh, that's okay. nice. Yeah. I've been getting really into fish lately. Forever, I would just walk right past a fish counter. And then I did an interview. Uh, it, it talked about pescatarians and vegetarians and flexitarians. And I thought, why do I keep passing the fish counter? And then I got this haddock. 
and I put a little bit of olive oil on it and some salt and pepper, just a little, and some lemon. And it was amazing. Of course. Oh my, I'm like, what have I been doing? I'm, I just got so tired of chicken. You know, there's a point where I'm like, I just don't want, I mean, there's so many different ways to make it, but I'm like, I'm sick of all of it. So I need to get some fish and I've been doing it now a couple times a week and yeah. it's great. And salmon also such a nice oily fish with the omega threes. Yeah. The other thing to think about, and it's hard because so many of us are in such a rush all the time, but mindful eating is very important, you know, really to try to enjoy your bites. Don't uh, shove it in as fast as you can because you've got something to do, like enjoy your bites and you will become satiated uh, more quickly that way because it does take some time for your brain to register that you've eaten calories and that you're starting to get full. So mindful eating is important. I love mindful eating. It's so nice when you can just get off your phone, get off the computer, get off the TV, the book, everything, and just really get into all the sensations that you get. I tend to do that mostly when it's, and I've mentioned this before, but when it's something really special, but I want to do it more often. You know, sometimes it's hard because I'll be eating with my family and I'll be, my eyes are closed. They're like, what are you doing? I'm like, shh, I'm mindful eating. <laughs> like, it's very hard. It's very hard. And if, if I, I know I'm probably like most, I come home ravenous from work, you know, it, it's hard to uh, discipline yourself, but it does, it does make you enjoy it more. It really does. I mean, there's so many different things that go on for women and perimenopause and menopause. And we've touched on so many. Is there anything, Dr. Dweck, that you wanted to add today? Well, I always like to plug for some exercise because no matter what our diets are, you know, exercise is a key, key part of weight management and also our mental fitness and emotional well-being. And, uh, I think if there's one complaint that I get in my office literally 10 or 20 times a day that I feel so very frustrated about not having a magic bullet for, it's weight management. And especially around the middle where so many women complain that that's where their weight goes at this time. So until the magic bullet arrives, we need to really amp up our exercise, add weight training, add cardio, 150 minutes a week, and uh, it will help with flexibility and balance and your mental well-being as well. And I do practice what I preach, so I think it's really Oh, I can tell. You look incredible. What do you like to do for exercise? So I'm a runner, and if I don't run, my nurse will literally kick me out of the office and tell me to go run around the block because I'm so mentally out of it and a little irritable. So that's my go-to. All you need is a pair of sneakers. Yeah, it's so important. Now, why do women tend to gain weight in their middles and hips and such (laughs) during this time? Again, this is a complex one. So I think in part, it is hormonal, you know, and I don't know how to exactly explain that, but visceral fat builds up at that time. So uh, in part, it's hormonal. In part, I just think uh, portion control, um, we have to manage that. I think that um, as we age, our metabolic tissue, which is muscle, starts to diminish. So naturally, our metabolism goes down a little bit. So weight training, and I'm not saying you have to hit the gym with huge barbells, but any sort of weight training will help to build a little bit of muscle and hopefully rev up that metabolism a bit. And you have to focus on your core. So, uh, and then I guess there's a little part for gravity to play there. So we're, we're fighting that uphill battle, but we can do it. 
I know, I know, gravity. Oh, oh my goodness. I was reading that if you gain weight in your hips and your buttocks or thighs, that that's not as unhealthy as in your middle. And I'm not talking a ton of weight, but I'm talking just some weight as we get older. Is that true? You know, I'm I'm not I, I'm not aware of studies to explain that, but I would suppose that any visceral fat that builds around your organs, particularly near the heart, is unhealthy. Um, in terms of cardiovascular health. So, yeah. Right. And I think, too, there there's a certain amount that's okay, right? I mean, I think some women go too far and think they have to be, like, so fat-free. Oh, and there yeah. are healthy ranges, right? Like, I recently had my body fat checked, and it said that it was normal. So I thought, cool, right? Yeah. Now, I'm still pretty shapely. I could probably lose 5 to 10 pounds, but I feel like my BMI was perfect. That said, I'm in the right, but yet... I'll look in the mirror and go, huh, I do have a little bit of a backside going on. But then I think, but I'm not going to kill myself to lose it if it's not a health issue, right? So how do we differentiate? Absolutely. Look, there's a range and those BMI charts are not a one size fits all. So this is really about feeling good and not about fitting into your genes from when you were a teenager. This is also about, you know, general health. So if you're getting a regular physical and having blood work and your lipid panel is okay and you don't have prediabetes and your weight falls in a range that is reasonable and you're happy about your self-image, awesome. Keep up what you're doing. I'm just bringing to the table the experience that I'm having in my office, which is that Women are complaining that each year they're gaining weight and it seems to be in the middle. And this is despite them trying to remain on the same diet or caloric intake. So these are little helpful hints just to uh, to try to mitigate that. Yeah. And I think part of the problem too, I was just reading that over half of Americans get the majority of their food that isn't really food. It's like highly ultra processed food. And that is yeah. such a huge problem. I blame the food scientists. I mean, I'm sure they're very clever people, but, you know, they're just enhancing all the flavors, the sugar, the salt, the MSG, the crunch. I was reading that the crunch even, that they're, they, you know, I mean, it's this whole thing that are just getting people hooked. Well, dopamine is a pretty strong drug. So (laughs) there are (laughs) huge industries on this matter, and I'm surely not the expert, but in, in my little corner, I just think the Mediterranean diet Exercise and stress reduction go a really long way. What kind of stress reduction do you recommend? So whether it's mindfulness exercises, and I often point women towards a quick 10 or 15 minute exercise on a, on a phone app like Headspace or Calm, uh, or whether it's uh, something much more significant like transcendental meditation, uh, whether it's, you know, one of the more uh, Eastern types of, um, you know, practices whatever works and whatever you'll do would be helpful. But, you know, if you're pumping out cortisol 24-7, 365 at huge rates, you're going to get that, you know, uh, fat around the middle just from that stress level. Oh, that's really interesting. So that higher cortisol puts the fat there too. In part, yeah. In part, okay. Yeah, well, I hope your uh, patients listen to you because you're brilliant. Yeah. And you give such great advice. Dr. Dweck, how do we find out more about you and more about Bonafide Health and all their great products? Thank you so much. So I'm Dr. Alyssa Dweck. I'm a gynecologist in New York. My website is drdweck.com. More importantly, Bonafide Health has 
wonderful information and education about all the subject matters we've been speaking about at hellobonafide.com. Also, you can learn more about products that they uh, put out on their website. Oh, great. Dr. Dweck, thank you so much. I always love having you on Talk Healthy today. It is my pleasure. Thanks, Lisa. Give Bonafide a try today. No hormones and no prescription required. With products such as Reverie, a vaginal insert with hyaluronic acid to relieve vaginal dryness and rejuvenate vaginal tissue. Claire-V, a clinically proven vaginal probiotic to balance your vaginal microbiome. Relizin, a hormone-free, powerful way that is recommended by over 6,550 doctors to provide relief from menopausal hot flashes and night sweats. Ristella, a clinically proven plant-based and hormone-free way to increase orgasm and physical arousal, among other solutions for overall well-being. It's real relief without compromise. To get 20% off your first purchase when you subscribe to any product, go to hellobonafide.com and use the promo code Dr. Dweck. That's hellobonafide.com slash Dweck and code Dr. Dweck for 20% off at checkout. For best prices and free shipping and to receive this special offer for Talk Healthy Today listeners, Go directly to hellobonafide.com slash Dweck. This is their best offer anywhere, so check it out and use promo code Dweck. This is their best offer anywhere, so check it out and use promo code Dr. Dweck, spelled D-R for doctor and D-W-E-C-K for Dweck. Thank you so much for listening to Talk Healthy Today. Please do rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. And also, if you want some behind the scenes on Talk Healthy Today or a chance monthly to win my book, Clean Eating Dirty Sex, which is a memoir, cookbook, healthy lifestyle guide, it's the title is just a play on words, please go to www.lisadavismph.com. Sign up for my newsletter. And once a month, you'll be getting some great information as well as being entered into a contest to win my book. So again, go to www.lisadavismph.com. Get more on Talk Healthy Today and keep coming back. There's always great information. Thank you.